Amen. All right, well, how many of you guys got a Christmas present? Come on now. All right. You didn't? Somebody didn't? Oh, you just being Minnesotan? Eh? All right, well, Levi got a few Christmas presents. I brought two of them with us. Um, so this and this is a 500-piece puzzle. The Mandalorian. It's already been built. This is a 1,000-piece puzzle. We spent some time on that. It's already been built. He got another 500-piece puzzle yesterday. He's in the process of building that, creating that. So if you had a, let's just say you had a 1,000-piece puzzle, um, which piece would you start with? I mean, to make the puzzle, do you have to start with one particular piece? No. It might help to start on the corners, right? I have a few p puzzle pieces down here. Here's a corner. Um, it might help to start with a corner or an edge, right? To frame it in. To find things that are alike or that make sense together. It might help, right? But it's not necessary. You don't have to do it that way. So, here's the thing. You could start anywhere. But what we're really trying to do is we're trying to make the puzzle. We're trying to fill in all the pieces, right? I want you to take it to the spiritual realm because God taught me something. This is an illustration for you. I'm just going to start with this illustration. God taught me something this week. There's a lot of puzzle pieces in the Christian life. And I think what we do is we take one puzzle piece, right, whatever it may be, and we get saved, and we have the salvation puzzle piece, and we think it's the whole puzzle. That's what God was teaching me this week. It's like, this isn't the whole puzzle, this is a piece of the puzzle. There's more, right? And, and I love how it fits with our theme more and more, because there's just so much more. And the puzzle pieces for each, like I'm a linear thinker. I'm like, well, first you should be saved. Then you should get baptized in water, you know. <laughs> then you should, 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 you know. The pieces can go in the puzzle however they go in the puzzle. But you're trying to get the full picture. Do you understand? All right. I have some puzzle pieces down here. We're going to use them later. You're going to have an opportunity to put a word on there, a word for the year, or something that God taught you today, if that's how you want to use that. But I want you to take a puzzle piece with you at the end of the service, and I want it to be something meaningful, right? So I want you to start thinking about that. I want you to think about the puzzle pieces you already have. What things has God already revealed to you? And maybe you'll just write those in a journal. Well, God's really worked. I, I read that list, right? Faith, prayer, self-discipline, joy, rest. God's worked on some of those things. Maybe, maybe the puzzle piece is a little tarnished or whatever, but it's, it's, it fits together. Um, it's not perfect, right? Only God's perfect. I just really sense that God wants to give us more pieces to the puzzle. That's what I sense from him. I sense that, like, 
don't be satisfied. You can be content, but don't be satisfied with one puzzle piece. Even if it's Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, this little, you know, corner piece. What about adding some pieces to that? Don't you think God wants to add some pieces so you can see the whole of who God is? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and all of His power? I believe He does. So, um, with that in mind, I'm going to encourage you to start to think about what you might be missing. Right? Not to discourage you, but to give you awe for the fact that there's more. What might I be missing? What, what, what could I gain? Right? Because there's so much more to gain in Jesus Christ. All right. Now, we're studying. So open your Bible to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. I skipped the announcements. It's okay. Maybe I'll come back to them. I don't care. I just want to preach. You guys want me to preach? Okay. I just want to preach. So the announcements will come maybe. We'll see. Maybe at the end. If you're here, thank you for coming. We'll give as we give, and we'll go as we go, but yeah, we're just going to preach. All right, so here it is. So I felt like God gave me a puzzle illustration, preaching, and prayer. That's what we're supposed to focus on today. Puzzle, more pieces to a puzzle. That's where we're headed, right? Preaching, because... We're in this series called More Jesus, and let me go through what we, just to catch some of you up, let me go through what it was. So, More Jesus, the first week was more preeminence. More preeminence. Jesus Christ is first place, or he should be first place in your life. He should be king. He should be on the throne, right? So, more preeminence, that was from Colossians chapter 1, as we read through the New Testament. Then we went to more of his presence, okay? More Jesus, Christmas series, his presence, right? Baby in a manger, God with us. You get it? God is with us now. The astounding thing is he came in flesh, but more astounding still is that he left in flesh, but he sent the Spirit. God is Spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. He is here right now. I don't know if you can sense him or not. I can. He's a spirit. He's here right now. Maybe just try. God, are you here? Is your presence here? He is. And then we went to his power. We've been talking a lot about God's power, and I don't think we should stop. Because you know what? God's holiness, that's great. Makes me feel guilty sometimes. I'm just going to be honest. The holiness of God and me, it's like, you know. God's love, whoo, makes me feel warm. (laughs) And that's great. But the power of God, that makes me stand up. That makes me have attention. That makes me go, what is this all about? When somebody gets healed, I'm like, what? Now the message can come out, right? People want to know who did that, how that happened. That's awesome. That's power. We talked a lot about that. 
Jesus healing people, Jesus casting out demons. These are real things. They happened then, they happen now. You say, well, they don't happen around me. Yeah, I get it. Lack of power, right? Lack of God in us. Let's just be aware of that, and then let's try to add some pieces to the puzzle versus just going, well, they don't happen. They don't happen in your experience, I understand. But Jesus on earth, bam, 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 regular occurrence. Right? That still can happen today. You could walk up to somebody, they could be demon-possessed, they could sense the Spirit of God in you, and they could start to shriek. It happened in the New Testament. Who are you? What are you doing? That can happen. The fact that it doesn't happen is, is less of an indictment against God and more of an indictment against us and the lack of yielding to God's power in our lives. All right, so that was last week. This week is teaching, preaching. I had to stay with P, right? <laughs> like, you're alliterating. Yes, P. Okay, so the, the thing is this right here, right? Check, check, check. There it is. So... Jesus didn't have one of these, but he talked to like thousands of people. I just thought this was the best way to say, hey, this is what it looks like to preach, right? And preaching is really teaching, but it's teaching with, an, with, a, with a herald, like, hear ye, hear ye, right? I've been sent from the master, I'm the messenger, and I'm here to tell you what he said. That's preaching. And so that's what I aim to do every week. But that's what you should aim to do as you walk to your job, as you go to your family. It's like, hey, y'all, God loves you. I've been sent on a mission to let you know your life can be filled with joy, everlasting joy. God is madly in love with you. And he's not mad. We just think he's mad. <laughs> madly in love, crazy. We think he's crazy because he loves us. It is a little weird. But he made us. Do you love your kids? Like you wouldn't believe I do. Okay, well then. That's how God feels about you, times a billion. All right, I'm going to give you three things that Jesus preached, right? So let me just start with this. His preaching, Jesus is teaching us. Even today, he's teaching us. He taught us this week. If you were reading Luke 11 through 17, every, it was like all these red, red letters, right? Jesus saying, hey, and about this, and about this, and about this. And Jesus wants to teach you this year. That's why I asked you to pray earlier. God, what do you want to teach me? You want to teach me something new this year? I want to, you, you have a word for me this year? I want, I want to know. And I want, to, I want to be focused on that. All right, then this. Here's the key verse. Look at chapter 11, Luke chapter 11. I'll throw it on the screen too, but Luke chapter 11. Look at verse uh, 28. I'll read 27 so you have context. You can throw up the next slide. This is what Jesus said. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Well, that's great. Thanks, Jesus. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. 
could I get a little context? That's a great soundbite. You should tweet that out, right? But here's the context. He's preaching, he's healing, he's casting out demons, unclean spirits are going, whatever. And this person says, as he said these things, as he was teaching people, a woman in the crowd raised her voice, interrupting Jesus? Really? Okay. I got to do it. I don't know why it's in my mind. So my son, Quinn, who's not here today because he's a little sick, he's eight. He's going to be nine this month. He has Down syndrome. He has one joke. It's a knock-knock joke. It says, knock-knock. Interrupting cow. Moo! That's his joke. You'll get it later. That's what I think of when I when I read this passage. She's like, move! Jesus is preaching, dude. Like, shut her down. But she's like raising her voice. Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you were nursed. Only mildly awkward. But he said, he's like, oh, I'm going to stop preaching. I'll just acknowledge that you said that. Here's the thing. This is it. Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and keep it. You want to know the Catholic Church? They celebrate Mary. They say she's sinless. That's not true, but that's what they say. This person says she's blessed, and she is, to carry the Son of God in your womb A virgin birth, that's blessing. Yes, there's no doubt. But Jesus is like, hey, we don't have to take this too far, okay? Here's what's blessed. People that hear what I'm saying and obey it. You want to be blessed? Church, lift church. Do you want to be blessed in 2022? Yes, I do. Then this is the key. Blessed Rather, are those who hear the word of God, who listen to Jesus' teaching, and who keep it, who obey what he says. All right, now, perfect. I've set it up. Jesus is teaching us about three things. Jesus is teaching us about three things. You know, there's so much, and sometimes when I go through the seven chapters, it's like a lot. But I just try to pick out three things. The first one is prayer. Jesus is teaching us about prayer. Look at chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Jesus is teaching us about prayer. Why is Jesus teaching us about prayer? Anybody want to know? You want to know why? Okay, read verse 1. Now Jesus was praying, imagine that, in a certain place, as in he might have been praying in another certain place the day before or the week before. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord... Teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say... So here's one thing, just a little tidbit on the side. Do you like the little parentheses sometimes? It's just like, I like to think when I read scripture. And so I have like a prayer language that's kind of a weird thing, but like it's unintelligible and whatever. So like when I read this, I don't just think like I used to think, right? 
Oh, well, of course he tells them how to pray in English because there's other ways to pray. So I'm like, well, why does he tell them to pray this way versus this way, right? I'm just thinking that way. Not everybody thinks that way, but I think that way. I'm like, why is he telling them to pray this way? I think it's because of the question. Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Like John. Teach us like John. Okay, well, how did John teach his disciples to pray? I'm like, well, I don't know. I never heard John teach on that. <laughs> well, Jesus is going to tell you how he taught them right now. Okay? John the Baptist teaching on prayer. And the same, Jesus is teaching on it too. He says, pray like this. And he says, when, not if. He doesn't say if you pray. It's not like a suggestion. He says when you pray. Now we started with prayer. It was kind of weird, huh? Can we just be honest? Be honest? It's kind of weird. I'm going to sit here in a large room with a bunch of people and I'm going to pray out loud? Are you insane? A little bit, yeah. Because I believe God for more. And I know that we have to ask Him. If you ask, you will receive if you knock, the door will be opened. If you seek, you will find. So we need to strengthen that muscle of asking, okay? So here it is. He says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed or holy be your name. Your kingdom come. Anybody want to add something there? Your will be done, right? On earth as it is in heaven. Okay, but that's not in this one. Okay, so just chill. Your kingdom come. Everybody writes it a little different. This is Luke's writing. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. That's really important. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Is that true of us? Do we forgive other people for sinning against us when they're really sinning against God anyway? No. No, we don't do that. But that's what he's teaching we should do. Okay? And lead us not into temptation. Praise the Lord for praying that. Don't lead me into temptation. God will never lead you into temptation. You are drawn away, James says it, by your own lusts, by your own desires. And by the way, here's the key to abolishing all temptation. You have dominion. Genesis 1. Jesus said, let us... Jesus, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, said, let us make man in our own image. Let, us, let him have dominion over the earth. Adam was supposed to have dominion over the earth. You know what he did? Threw it away. When you're saved in Jesus Christ, you are back. You have dominion again. All you need to do is take that power that God has given you and say, I don't want that. That's not for me. I'm a king. I'm a queen of the king, right? I'm with God. So truly, it's like, well, I don't have the energy. I don't have the, I can't say no. Like, you're coming at it from a, this angle. This has authority. I can't say no to it. Come at it from this angle. This doesn't have any authority. I get to tell it what to do. That's how we handle temptation. In Jesus' name. All right. So, keep going. He's going to now give a story. And he said to them, which of you, 
who has a friend will go to him at midnight, well, not very many in this cold, and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. It's more like three candy bars or three pizzas, um, just to make the story a little bit more 2022. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. COVID must have really hit. And he will answer from within. Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are in, in bed with me. I cannot give, give up, get up and give you anything. Okay, now listen. Let's take that to 2022. You just don't text back. Right? I mean, that's it. Just don't text back. Nobody's coming to your door. Dun, 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 dun. I need some food. We live in America. Even in food shortages, toilet paper shortages, we, we got everything we need in spades. If you don't have food, ask anybody here. They'd be happy to give it to you right now. It gets a little more slick for us. If you don't want to respond to somebody, if you don't want somebody at your door, you just don't text them back. Matter of fact, you can block them if you want. Just hit block, bro. Don't say anything. Just hit block. We're sophisticated with our no. We're sneaky with our no. I'm just, just telling the truth in church. He says in verse 8, remember this is Jesus speaking. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. You're my friend. You won't give me anything. I need something. Yet because of his impotence. Do you know what impotence means? Who knows what impotence means? Somebody here is really intelligent. David, we're all looking at you. Do you know what impotence means? I hate to put you on the spot, but I just did. Give me something. Because you're the most intelligent person in the room, I'm pretty sure. Persistence. Okay, persistence. That's good. Persistence. It's, it's just acknowledging the truth, David. You're well read. You're very, you're a good thinker. All right. Everybody looked at you. You didn't see it, but everybody's head turned toward you. I saw it. All right. So here's the thing. Impotence is persistence, all right? Because of his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. He's sick of you texting. He's sick of you knocking. He's sick of you asking. He just wants you to go so he can sleep with his kids. And I tell you, this is Jesus teaching us, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened to him. For what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? It's a reference to demonic stuff. Serpent. And if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? He's going to give him bad things? No. If you then, who are evil, Jesus just called us all evil? Just like I called them all unintelligent? I wasn't calling them unintelligent, David. I was saying you are really intelligent. That means their IQ probably raised, actually, with that. Um, 
If you then are evil, Jesus just called every one of us evil. Save that for the next point. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? All right, let me just preach the point now. I've read the passage. Here's the first piece of the puzzle. Here's the first thing that Jesus wants to teach us. He wants to teach us to pray. He says, when, not if, when you pray. We're going to spend some more time in prayer in a little bit. In a little bit all right? When you pray, do these things. Pray with faith. Right? Look at the first part there. Holy is your name, Father. You're praying to a Father that you can't see. That takes faith. You're saying your kingdom come. That takes faith. I can't bring the kingdom. Only he can bring the kingdom. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, that takes faith. Give us each day our daily bread. That takes faith. No, I have money. I can go buy it. Well, then that takes no faith. You're right. But what he's going for is faith. Maybe even a reference to manna. Right? Like, didn't they pray? Didn't they ask God? And God gave it? Didn't he you know, ask for water and God gave it? Doesn't God take care of our needs? He does. That takes faith. And then this. And forgive us our sins. That takes faith. And for we ourselves forgive everyone else who is indebted to us. That takes a lot of faith. That you're not going to get it right back again. And maybe that if you even do get it right back again, that God will be enough anyway. And lead us not into temptation. Okay, there's all this faith. Okay, so that's the thing. Pray in faith. The second thing, through the story, pray with persistence. Pray it again. Pray it again. We need the church land to sell. Pray it again. Would you commit to praying that every day this week? Would all of you commit to praying that every day this week? Would all of you commit to praying that until the day I come up here and say, we sold the land. Not we did. God did. God sold the land. He listened to our prayer. And he he granted it. He blessed us. And this last thing, and this is so clear, and I don't know why people don't want to do it, but they don't. They don't want to do it. I have Jesus. That's enough. He says here at the end, if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. What did you give your kids for Christmas? Like, no, I don't have kids. I get it. I'll tell you. We gave them what they wanted. We asked them for a list. You can go on Amazon now and make a list. And then you just buy what's on the list. It's real fun. But they get what they want. Why? Because we're good parents. Even though we're evil. How much more? How much more than that? Will the Father, the Heavenly Father, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Have you ever asked God for the Holy Spirit? That's the question. He'll give it to you. So pray for the Holy Spirit. I don't think we pray that enough. Pray for the Holy Spirit every day. Pray for the Holy Spirit every moment, honestly. Pray for the Holy Spirit when you're tempted. Pray for the Holy Spirit when you need wisdom. Pray for the Holy Spirit. Why? You're like, why? I have Jesus. I have the Father. Because Jesus and the Father send the Holy Spirit to you now, here, right now, to do the things that they want to do in and through you. 
That's why we pray for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent. God is spirit. We worship him in spirit and truth. So the first thing, Jesus is teaching us about prayer. Here's the application. It's really simple. Ask God. That's it. Simply ask God. So we're going to have another round of prayer. And what I'd love to hear, and you've got to max your own dial, right? It's just people muttering or people projecting, you know, God, I need this. God, we need you in your own way, okay, in your own way. Ask God. Okay, second thing God's teaching us, second piece to the puzzle, so to speak, okay? Don't you wish I could give you a 500-piece puzzle today? Three-piece puzzle, all right? Second piece, Jesus is teaching us about sin. So I could go, I mean, I'm just going to assume you read this, but I could go over, like, all seven chapters he talks about sin. But go ahead and turn to uh, chapter 12. Chapter 12, I'm going to read something here. I'm going to read something in the next chapter, and I'm going to read something in the next chapter, and then I'm going to just say a few words. All right. Chapter 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another. What? Seems like a soccer game. He began to say to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. I'm glad he doesn't leave it at leaven, which spreads like wildfire. I'm glad he tells us what it is. It's hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. Now, if that doesn't shake you up a bit, nothing will, because I know what I've said privately. Makes me feel like a sinner. I don't think he was trying to make them feel guilty. He was trying to warn them. So could I just change your thought process? If you're like, oh, I feel so guilty. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. Jesus wasn't trying to make them feel guilty. He was trying to warn them of their blind spot by pointing to religious people and saying, look at their blind spot. It's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is simply this. What you know and what you do. Take the middle. That's hypocrisy. What you know and what you do, hypocrisy, right in between. You go, I'm here. Great. Nobody's here. Nobody's doing everything they know to do. Some level of hypocrisy is in your life. And that is sin. And sin spreads like wildfire. Okay, just to illustrate this, Kimberly and Kara, you might be in my family, you might be in an illustration. I got a t-shirt for that. All right. So here, here's the thing. So Kimberly and Kara were making bread dough to make pizzas, homemade pizzas. And they're like, oh, blah, blah, you know, and, and I hear this like, this much leaven. And, and it was like, boom, it goes in. And it's like, oh, was that right? What was that? And then my wife says, you can't mess up the leaven, right? Like you can mess up anything else, but this has to be exact or the thing that she literally she said this, or it's going to raise to the ceiling. 
I was like, eh, probably not, but close. That was the conversation. I just happened to be doing the dishes at the time, my one time last year, and I heard it all. Okay, leaven, I mean, if you know anything about it, or if you've heard from other people who do, like I have, leaven will, it'll take over, right? If there's a little, it'll take over, okay? It's going to spread throughout the whole thing. All right, now, let me flip to chapter 13. So go ahead, go, go to chapter 13. There's this little story here, 13, 1 through 5. There, was, uh, there were some present at the very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. That's gross. And he said to them, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? See, people think because you get punished, because something bad happens to you, that you did something bad. The disciples asked, who sinned when Jesus was going to heal this guy that was blind for how, how, 40 years? Or lame for 40 years? Like, no, neither. Neither his parents, nor him. Like, it was for my glory. So, whatever circumstance happens to you, it may have something to do with your sin, but probably not because God's a merciful God and he doesn't judge you correctly the way you deserve. He judges you more lenient than you deserve. Praise the Lord, right? Other people probably judge you harshly, but not Jesus. Can we just get that straight? God's not a whack-a-mole God. He's not like ding, 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 popped your head up, boom, popped your head up, boom. Did it again, boom. That's not God. And if you grew up that way, I'm sorry. All the pastors you were under should repent, and that's wrong. And I've had to do that myself. Jesus says this. Do you think they were worse than everybody else? No. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Not what they were expecting. Okay. And then he says this. Or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them? Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? He's like, you've got a Galilean example? Let me give you a Jewish example. You heard about these 18 guys that died in this accident, building this tower? They were Jews. They're good people. He says, no. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. What did he just do? He just took the question and he put the mirror up and he said, are you a sinner? Yes, you are. You need to repent. Yes, you do. And you know what? If you do, I'm here for you. So here's the point. All have sinned. And if you read through this, hypocrisy was the main thing because it just hits everything. It's the leaven that spreads. And we can all understand, I know this, I do this. We all want to close that gap. We all do. The only thing that can help you close that gap is the Holy Spirit. That's the only thing. Okay? All right. Now, he talks about anxiety. He talks about worry. 
He talks about covetousness. He talks about all these different sins. Why? Because he's trying to help you see your own sin. So let me just say it clearly. All have sinned. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Not a newsflash to me. Maybe it is to you, but not a newsflash. Right? We're all sinners. And hypocrisy is probably our worst. We want to act. You're not putting things on Facebook like I'm having a bad day. Or I just lied to my wife. You're not putting that on Facebook. Nobody's doing that. Why not? You did it. Because it doesn't look good. Well, that's part of the hypocrisy. When we admit who we really are, then we're closing the gap. All right. And then he gets to this next, I'm not even going to read it, but he gets to this next chapter and he, all these excuses, many excuses, many excuses. He says it a couple times. He's like, y'all have many excuses. Does that sound familiar? Well, I'm pretty good. I grew up in church. So I thought I was better than the rest of the world. I'm pretty good. It wasn't until I knew my own sin that I repented and accepted Jesus Christ. Praise God for that day. Chapter 15, I'm not going to read it. It's 32 verses. It's about these parables. The lost coin, the lost sheep, and the prodigal son. The lost son. That's us. And if you're not the lost son, which is probably the better son to be, then you're the older brother who's another lost son because he won't even come into the party. Do you know God's throwing a party right now on earth? You want to come in? Because he's throwing a party. Things are happening that are crazy good. And a lot of churches are just like this. We're waiting for God to come back. He's here. Stop waiting. Start acting like he's here. Stop making excuses for why we're waiting for someday Jesus will come back and it'll all be awesome. If that's how you're thinking, I'm sorry, I'm going to correct you lovingly. If that's how you're thinking, wow, open your eyes. God is here. And you know what? If you're waiting for that, I hope you're not in the, I hope, I pray, you're not in the category of, depart from me, I never knew you. Because that's a real thing. All right, that got heavy. Here's, here's, let me just bring it back with some joy. Here's the application of this point. Because sin is a problem for all of us, so we all have this application. First, repent. I mean, Jesus says it, right? He's like, just repent. Just say you did something wrong, doggone it, right? Return, right? What, what happened to the, uh, the prodigal son? He came back. And when he came back, he had his speech prepared. Do you remember his speech? He's like, well, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this. He got half the speech out. He got like a sentence out. And the father's like, no, that's enough. I love you. <laughs> Let's go party. He didn't even get it all out. Just return. And here's the thing. Don't forget this part because we're all about repentance. And we're all about returning. But we forget and he says it in here a ton of times. Rejoice. Rejoice. 
Who are we that God would save us? Who are we that God would forgive us of our sins? Who are we? You've got to do some kind of dance on that. Like, you've got to be like, I mean, you've got to be like busting moves and getting crazy with it. I should have brought that 90-second dance party. Shoot. I'm just going to start bringing it because every week it fits. 30-second dance party. All right, last point. Jesus is teaching us about money. Money. Every church wants to talk about money, especially at the beginning of the year. I didn't plan this, and I hope my heart isn't the same as that. Jesus has a lot to say about money, particularly in Matthew since he was a tax collector. But Luke says a lot about money as well because he's taking detailed account of what Jesus said. And Jesus obviously spoke about money a lot. I think one of the reasons Jesus spoke about money a lot is he realized that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Right? It's true of me too. Where my treasure is, there my heart is also. There's just something about my money and my heart that are twisted up together. And you could try to unravel those things, and I think that's a good thing. Try to unravel those things. Try to get your heart focused on God and not money, because you can't serve two masters, right? He says it here. Let's just skip to this last passage, chapter 16. Chapter 16, verse 10 through 13. He says, One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. You get a penny and you're faithful with it, you might get a dollar, <laughs> right? One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in very much. It's character, right? It's not the size, it's the character. The one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? Unrighteous wealth, reference to what? Money? It is. Anybody got a dollar? No? Nobody got a dollar? Everybody's got credit cards. Anybody got a dollar? James, you got a dollar? Get it out. Okay, what does it say on there? Does it say, in God we trust on that? Anywhere? Do they still have that on there? On the back. Okay, it says that on there. In God we trust, right? It's funny that we don't trust God with our money. With on the money, it says, in God we trust. What? That's humorous to me. It's almost like God just built in a reminder, you can trust me. You can trust me with this. You can trust me with this. You can trust me with this. And we're like, eh. You can trust God with a lot, but not that. You can trust him. All right. Keep going. Who will entrust you with true riches? What are true riches? What's that? Things of the Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit himself, love, joy, peace, patience, everything he gives, any gifts that God gives you, that's true riches. 
Not physical things as much as spiritual things. Okay? When you get to first or second Corinthians chapter nine, where it has all that teaching on giving, it's like you give to God, test him in that, and then it says you're gonna get these things in return, and it's not money. You might get saved souls, you might get your you know your kids will be you might get a lot of different things, spiritual things, not physical things. Physical could come, but the spiritual is more important. So true riches, okay, I just want to explain it to you. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, whose is it? It's God's. It's God's. It's God's. It's God's. It's God's. Even the chapstick is God's. It's all God's. The jacket is God's. The shirt's God's. The long underwear is God's. The jeans are God's. Everything's God's. If you have not been faithful in which is another's, it's God's. Who will give you that which is your own? We want God to give us stuff. But we're not faithful with his stuff. And that's kind of a mess. No servant can serve two masters. You can't serve physically and spiritually at the same time. You want to serve spiritually to be able to figure out the physical. He's talking about God and money here. For either you will hate the one. Don't you hate God sometimes? Just being honest. Why did you do that, God? Sometimes we hate God, and he's our master. Sometimes you hate money, and that's a master too. Can't serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Who sang that? Is Steve Diedrich saying that at Lyft Church today? Is that what I'm saying? I'm reading it straight from Scripture. God Almighty, Jesus Christ in the flesh, is saying, you cannot serve God and money. You can serve God with your money, but you cannot serve God and money. You cannot have two masters. Now, I think the lesson is clear. It's on stewardship. It's on trusting God for sure. Use your money for God's glory. You're entering a new year. It's always a fresh start. Use your money for God's glory. I'm like, well, how do I do that? Ask him what to spend your money on. Well, what if he tells me I can't spend it where I'm spending it? Well, then you'll make some changes and reap all the blessings of that. Praise God. Another piece of the puzzle, right? Prayer, sin, money. These are just things that Jesus preached on because he wanted his disciples, his followers, to know how to handle these things. You can go study them more on your own, but that's all I have for today. How about this? Let's end this way. Here's my response. My response, I want to ask you a question. Are you hearing Jesus' teaching today? Remember last week, didn't it say, God said at the transfiguration, this is my son, listen to him. He just set us up, didn't he? What I'm asking you today is, are you listening?
Or you're like, well, that was good. Thanks for sharing, Steve. I appreciate you preparing or blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'm going to go back to my week now. And Well, that stinks. Because Jesus is real. And he's God. And he said some things that are very clear. Concise. More concise than I could make them even today. And if we obey them, we're what? We're blessed. Blessed are you if you hear the word of God and keep it. This year is going to be your best year ever. Because you're going to read, hear the word, and you're going to keep it. You're going to obey it. And when you do that, you're going to see dynamite in your life. You're going to see power. You're going to see the presence of God like you've never seen before. I just want to declare that over you. That's what's going to happen. All right. Pray. Increase my faith. That's what the disciples asked in the next chapter. They're like, uh, could you help us with our faith? Because we, we're weak. Increase our faith. They asked him to do that. I'm a disciple. I want him to do that. And then he gets to the unworthy servant. You all read it? Well, you're going to read it today. Here's what he says. <laughs> when you come in, you know, and you da-da-da, and, you know, you're serving somebody, you don't, like, serve yourself first. You serve them first, right? So we serve Jesus first before ourselves. And he says this, our stance should be to obey. We are unworthy servants. I don't deserve what I have from God. We have only done what was our duty. I'm on a mission from Jesus. This is what I should be doing. If that's my reply, we're in a good spot. If I start getting into the entitlement game, or shouldn't I feel better, or can I please myself, or all the pleasures, all the joy will be there as you serve Jesus. Okay, let me wrap it right there. We're going to get back to prayer, but let me close our service, our, or close our, our time in, in learning there with, with a prayer. God Almighty, I thank you. I thank you so much for your word. Just pieces to the puzzle, just more preaching so we can understand what it is you're saying so we can obey. God, infuse us with the Holy Spirit. Please, God. Every person here that's hearing my voice, the blood of Jesus over them and the Spirit of you filling them now. God, with that power, we cannot be stopped. We will act on prayer. We will defeat sin. And we will use your money, God, the money you've entrusted to us, to bring you glory this year. In Jesus' name, amen.